I'm very excited about. Yes. Nine o'clock. Nine o'clock works for me. Like that means I'm going to come early to pick you up, okay? All right, so nine o'clock, we're going to start breakfast on Easter Sunday. Yeah, not sure. It's 27th? Okay, we'll check the calendar. I'll let you know a week or two ahead of time. Just keep that in mind. All right, so for the last 11 weeks, we have been talking about the blood of Jesus. Amen. And we are talking about the power of the blood of Jesus, what we have in the blood of Jesus. And today is topic number 10, uh, 11, sermon number 11. So what have we discussed so far? Let's recap, and then we're going to dig into God's word today. Number one, we said that we have in the blood of Jesus is? Justification for sin. No, that's not number one. <laughs> that's number 10. <laughs> Oh, come on, Nancy. See, when you wait, people jump in and they do wrong things. <laughs> Access to the Father. Access to the Father, that's number two. So number one is what, Sister Nancy? Forgiveness of sin. The reference to that is Hebrews chapter 9, when the author of Hebrews said, Without the blood shed, there is no forgiveness. Period. Absolute statement. The second power we have in the blood of Jesus is... Access to the Father. You, you messed up the order, Wayne, but that's no problem. Access to the Father. And the scripture to that is in Hebrews chapter 10, that we have confidence to enter into the holy places by the blood of Jesus. The third benefit, the third power of the blood of Jesus, new covenant. And that is Luke 22, when Jesus said, this is my blood for the new covenant that was shed for many for the remission of sin. We enter into a covenant, the new covenant, the new relationship with God only through that blood of Jesus. Number four, we've been purchased by the blood of Jesus. We've been bought by the blood of Jesus. And the scriptural reference to that is Revelation chapter 5. When the multitudes again stand before Christ, they're going to tell him what? You're worthy lamb of God. To take the scroll, to open it up. Why? Because you were slain and you have purchased us to God, your Father, from every type, from every tribe, from every tongue, and from every nation. Amen? So we have been purchased by the blood of Jesus. That's number four. Number five, we have been acquired by the blood of Jesus. And that is Acts 20, 28, when Paul told the elders in the church of Ephesus, he said, what? Pay very good attention to the church of God, which he purchased with the blood of his own. That's number five, right? Number six, we have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. And that is First Peter, right? 1, 18 to 19. This is what Peter said. You have not been redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from from your aimless conduct that you have inherited from your forefathers. Amen. But you have been redeemed with a precious blood as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. The blood of Jesus who is known from before the foundation of the world. Amen. So we have been redeemed by the blood and then we have been freed. Set free from our sins by the blood. That's Revelation chapter 1. A song to the Lamb of God that says... 
to him who loved us so much so that he has set us free from our sins by his own blood and made us what? Kings and priests to God the Father. We have been freed by the blood and then we have been reconciled by the blood and that's in Colossians chapter 1, right? Verses uh, 19, 20. Yes, right. And what does Paul say in Colossians chapter 1? That it pleased God. It was so good to God to do two things. That in Him, in Jesus, the fullness of the deity of God will dwell. And not only that, but in Him, to do what? To reconcile in Him, in Jesus, everything. Things that are in heaven and things that are on earth. To Himself, in Jesus, having made peace. How? By the blood of His cross. And now here is the good news. And you who were once alienated and enemies in your mind through evil conduct. Now he has reconciled. Amen. In his physical body when he died on that cross. So that he can present you holy without blemish and above reproach in his sight. Amen. Amen. So we have been reconciled by the blood of Jesus. Number nine. We have been Brought near by the blood of Jesus. This is good news from Ephesians chapter 2. What did Paul say? Ephesians 2, 13. He said, but now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away, far off, have been brought near. How? By the blood of Jesus. Amen? We have been brought near to God. We were so far away from Him. We were alienated. We were His enemies. But now we have been brought so close that now he is our father and he dwells in us because of the blood of Jesus. Amen? Today we're going to talk about we are justified by the blood of Jesus. Amen? I want you to pay very, very, very good attention to today. Because this is the, the foundation of everything that we need. This is like a very important, very important. All the blessings are great. But this one is... Hard to understand a little bit, so I want you to pay attention to me. But once you get it, you're going to be amazed at the power of the blood of Jesus. Amen? Amen. The scripture today is from Romans chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. And here is what Paul says. Much more than, much more than, having now been, I think that's Romans chapter 5, by the way. I don't think it's Romans chapter 6. Maybe somebody can check it out if you can. I think it's Romans chapter 5, 9, and 10. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. Verse 10. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his Life. Let's say verse 9 together. I think that's Romans 5 again, but let's say it together. Much more than, let's say it together. Much more than having now been justified, how? By his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. Amen. Now, the doctrine of justification, or what does it mean to be justified, is pretty extensive in the book of Romans. The whole book is pretty much discussing that. So in order for us to understand what does it mean to be justified by the blood, I want us to read another passage in Romans 3, 21 to 26. 
when we read that passage, it can help us uh, tremendously understand what does it mean to be justified by the blood. So let's read it together. Romans 3, 21 to 26. But now, the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophet, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ. This is just so powerful. Every phrase in this verse is unbelievably powerful. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. For there is no difference for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Verse 24, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation by his blood. We're going to talk about that next week. Uh, propitiation by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance, God has passed over the sins that have previously been committed to, de to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness, that he might be the just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Amen? If you want to memorize one passage in the scripture, I only recommend this one. It is unreal. So good. We're not going to talk about it, right? We're going to touch base on it, but we're not going to break it all down. So let's go back to Romans 5. Is it 5, 9? Somebody looked? 5, 9. Okay. Let's go back to Romans 5, verse 9. And let's look at that verse. How much more? Being, having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. Okay? Question. Question. From that verse, which one do you think is harder to accomplish? To be justified before God or to be saved from the wrath to come? To be saved from the wrath is harder? Let's read it together. Think about this. Think about it and let's read that verse together. Much more than, let's read the verse together. Much more than, having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. The same verse goes again like this, verse 10. Pretty much the same idea. For while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. Much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Think about it. From verse 9 and verse 10, let's go to verse 9. Which one is harder to get done? To be justified before God or to be saved from the wrath to come? Justified. To be justified, right? Anybody agrees, disagree? To be justified is harder, exactly. That's precisely what Paul is trying to say here in verse 9, in Romans 5, 9. He's saying that to be justified before God, it is such a hard task that like, it is so hard, so much so, that it makes us as sinners escaping the wrath of God is an easy job. That's exactly what Paul is trying to say. You guys follow the thought here, right? It's saying to be justified before God is such a hard thing to accomplish. So much so that it makes escaping the wrath of God such an easy thing to be accomplished in comparison to being justified before God. You guys follow me so far? Good? So why Paul is saying that it is so difficult for sinners to be justified before God? That's what we want to discuss today. Amen? 
But before we discuss that, let's discuss first what is it to be justified? What does it mean to be justified before God? We talked about this before. If you guys remember, when we discussed um, from uh, Genesis chapter... I can't remember the chapter now, but it, when it says that Abraham believed God and it was counted him for righteousness, I think it's uh, 19, uh, maybe, Genesis 19. Um, it says that Abraham believed God and it was counted for him for righteousness. We discussed justification a little bit back then. Do you guys remember what, what did we say justification is? All right. Justification is to pretty much God declares you as if you have never sinned in the first place, Right? And what we said in the past is this. To be forgiven of your sins is one thing, but to be justified is a whole lot higher thing to be accomplished than to be forgiven, right? Why? Let's say uh, I did Esther wrong, right? So Esther say, okay, I forgive you of what you have done, right? So in, in so many ways, we both acknowledge my fault, what I have done wrong, she just graciously chose to be good to me and not punish me or, you know, sever our friendship because of what I have done wrong, right? She just chose to let it go, right? But we know that I did wrong. We know that she knows I did wrong. She just decided to be good to me. Now, it's different, like, to be justified is a whole lot better than to be forgiven. If I am justified before Esther, if my situation, my wrongdoing is justified, then Esther doesn't think I have done wrong in the first place. It is not that she chooses to forgive me, is that the situation is resolved and she knows that I have been acquitted, that I have done no wrong. Amen? You guys follow me so far? So the word justified is literally like to be in court before the judge and then the judge declare you not guilty. Now, if you go to the court and you are declared not guilty, you are innocent, you have been acquitted, then guess what? You're not being forgiven for what you have done wrong. From the law perspective, from the judge perspective, you haven't done anything wrong. Do you guys see the difference, right? So that's exactly what, even in the, in the Bible, in the book of Deuteronomy, let's look at that verse. Um, Deuteronomy uh, 25.1, here is what God says. If there, uh, if there be a controversy between men and they came into judgment and the judge and the judges judge them, then they shall justify the righteous, acquit the righteous, and condemn the wicked. It's a court sitting. It's a court sitting. And if you go to the court and you've been justified, you've been acquitted, then that means you have never done the wrong to start with. There is nothing in your record that you have done something wrong. You guys follow me? Good? Questions? Okay. So that is the thing. We are justified by the blood of Jesus. You know what that means? That means when God looks at us, He doesn't see our sins. He doesn't even recognize that we have ever sinned in the past. He sees us just as we have never even sinned in the first place. We are pure. We are holy in His eyes as if we have never ever committed one single sin before. Amen? Isn't that a good thing to be with God? To be justified before Him? Amen? So that is what the blood of Jesus can do. The blood of Jesus, we talked about forgiveness in the blood, right? From, uh, from um, uh, Hebrews chapter 9. Without the bloodshed, there is no forgiveness of sin. But the blood of Jesus not just forgive our sins before God, it also justifies us before a holy and righteous God. Amen? 
So why is it Paul says that it is so hard for sinners like you and me to be justified before a holy and righteous God? So much so, Paul says, that it makes escaping the wrath of God because of our sin such an easy thing. Amen? So we're going to talk about three things to explain the difficulty of us being justified before God. Amen? Number one, the problem is really complicated. That's point number one. For a sinner to be justified before God, the problem is really complicated. Number two, in the blood, the answer <coughs> was stated. Amen? And number three, man's role is indicated. I made it rhyme. You guys don't have to clap right now. I really, I would appreciate it later, but not right now. So let's go over these three points one more time. Number one, the problem is really complicated. Number two, in the blood... The answer was stated, and number three, man's role is indicated. So let's talk about the problem. Why is it so difficult for sinful men like you and I to be justified before God? In order to understand that, let's look at verse 26 of that passage that we just read from Romans chapter 3. Here is what Paul says, verse 26. Actually, let's give 25 and then we'll go to, well, let's go to 26. Here that it says, to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness that he might be, this is God, that's Romans 3, 26, that he might be just and justifier. Now let's stop. Let's stop here for a second. God is described in this sentence, in this phrase as what? The just and the? Justifier. The just and the? Justifier. Now, these two words, the just and the justifier, are oxymorons, right? They're opposite to each other. Why? It is simple. If you are just, if you are righteous, then you have to punish the one who has committed sin, right? You're just. You're, you're fair. If somebody breaks the law, you punish that person. That's how you only can be identified as just, right? So if you're a just person, if you're a just judge, you don't want to let the one who committed sin go free. You don't want to forgive them. You don't want to justify them. You want to punish them for what they have done, right? So if you're a just, you cannot be the justifier. And the flip side is true too. If you're a justifier, if somebody breaks the law and you look at them and say, hey, don't worry about it. I'm going to not count it against you. I'm going to think that you have never even committed in the first place. And you pass on that sin and you pass on that wrongdoing because you are a justifier. Then guess what? You are not just. just. You either or. You either just or you're either a justifier. You cannot be both in the same time, right? But Paul says in Romans 3.26 that when Jesus died on the cross, God actually was able to be both in the same time without compromising either side of his characters. He is just and he is the justifier of the one who had faith in Jesus. And that's where the problem is. That's where the problem lays right there. How is it that God can be just and punish sin, yet justifier for those who has broken the law and has, you know, committed sin against God, right? And that is the problem. So let's explain more. I'm going to show you more and more and more how is it so difficult for God really to forgive our sins because he is a just God, right? He's a righteous God. He's a just judge and he has to punish sin. His law says that the wages of sin is? Death. 
Death. That's who he is. That's his law. That means if you sin against God, it doesn't even to be habitual sin, continuous sin. You need to break his law once. And because he's so holy and so pure and so just, then because you broke his law only once, one sin, one time. That's just good enough for him. So you can be separated from him for all eternity in that Christless literal lake of fire that the Bible called hell. Amen. That's, that's, that's the justice of God. That's how God is a just God. Now, the Bible tells us that God operates by his own law. He has his rules. He has his law. And his rules say, if you sin against me, you are separated from me for all eternity. The, the Bible tells us that these rules and this judgment of God are so natural to him. That's who he is as a being. It is not something he does. It is not a function to him. God is just. That's who he is, not what he does. Do you guys follow me? Okay. So let's look at this verse from Jeremiah 8 verse 7. Here's what Jeremiah said. The very last few lines in the first paragraph, second page. Yea, he said, the stalk in the heaven knoweth her appointed times. And the turtle and the swallow and the crane observe the time of their coming. But my people know not the judgment of the Lord. What Jeremiah is saying here is this. The bird knows the change of seasons. How winter comes and then after winter comes spring and then the summer and then... Do I mess it up? Well, uh, winter first and then... Uh, help me. Fall? Fall before winter. Come on. <laughs> Anyways, winter first, then spring, then summer, then fall. This is the, the sequence, okay? So birds know that. They know that after this winter, the spring is coming. This is how the natural things happening. And Jeremiah is saying this. The birds know the natural sequence of events, the natural sequence of seasons. But the people of God, Israel, doesn't know the natural rules, the, the, the nature of God, that he works by judgment and works by rules. And his rules is this. If you break the law, you are under the punishment of God. This is so natural to God as the seasons roll one after the other. And that's what Jeremiah was saying here. Scripture number 2. Jeremiah 51, 56. Look at this. The Lord is a God of recompenses. That's Il Gimulaf. This is his name. You remember the names of God start with El Shaddai, El, you know, Adonai, all this stuff. Start with an L and then the character of God. One of his names is the God who recompenses, the God who pays back. And that's why he followed that verse by saying, surely he will pay back. The, the fact that God will repay is not optional. It's not going to probably happen, probably not happen. It will surely happen. You know why? Because that's his name. He's the God who pays back. Amen? And the name of God is an indication to his nature. You guys see that once and twice so far, we see that justice for God, it is not just something he does. That's who he is. That's his being. That's his personality. He is a just God. He cannot tolerate injustice and he works by rules. And this rules for him is so natural that it is impossible for him to break these rules. Amen? Example number three. This is bad news for you and me. Exodus 23, 6 and 7. Here is what the Lord told the children of Israel. You shall not pervert the judgment of your people in his dispute. Of the poor in his dispute. Keep yourself far from a false matter. Do not kill the innocent and the righteous. Ready for some bad news? This is bad news. 
Here's what he says. For I will not do what? Justify the wicked. God is saying if you break the law, if you sin against me, there is no way that I can possibly ever justify a person who broke the law. Well, how many here have not broken the law of God? We all broken his law in one way or shape or form. Some lied, some stole, some manipulated, some uh, committed adultery. We all broke the law of God in some way or shape or form. And listen to what God says. I shall by no means justify the wicked. That means God is saying it is impossible for me to make anyone who breaks the law to be made right with me. That means God is saying it's impossible for Esther, for Barb, for Mike, for, uh, for Justina, for Cammy, for anyone. I can't do it. I can't justify them before me. I cannot make them right in front of my eyes. Do you guys see the difficulty? It's impossible for a holy and a righteous and a judge God to justify somebody who has sinned. Amen? Psalm 143.2 Enter not, this is what the psalmist said, Enter not into judgment with thy servant. Why? For in thy sight how many men can be justified? No man living shall be justified. Why did the psalmist say that? Why the psalmist said it's impossible for a single soul to be justified before God? You know why? Because we all have sinned against God. We all, one of us lied, one of us stolen, one of us cheated, one of us manipulated. We all have broken the law of God in one way or shape or form. And when we stand before Him, there is no way He cannot declare us not guilty. How many souls can be justified before God? Zero. That includes you and me. It's impossible that on the day of judgment, God will let our sins go unpunished. Amen? Let's leave last example. 2 Thessalonians 1.6. It is a righteous thing. Look at this. It is a righteous thing with God. In other words, God likes it. God thinks it's really cool and nice and good to do what? To recompense his affliction to those who afflict you. So what Paul is saying here is this. God thinks it is really appropriate that when somebody does wrong, that he get punished for the wrong that he has done. Amen? This is bad news for all of us, isn't it? It is a just thing. It's a righteous thing with God that if you sin, that he punishes this sin. Amen? Do you guys see how the problem is truly complicated? God is a righteous God. He's a holy God. He cannot come close to sin. He cannot tolerate sin. He can never let one single sin go unpunished. And the flip side of that, we have all sinned before God, right? And that means we're all guilty before Him and not a single soul of us can be made right with God when we stand before Him, right? Because He is a just God. Amen? You got that right. There's the good news coming, man. What is the good news? Paul said this, that God who is just is also what? The justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. How can it be? How can God be just and justifier in the same time? Let's look at Romans um, 5, 9. That's the first one. It says, having now been justified by his blood. So we can be justified. God can be both in the same time through the blood of Jesus. Romans 3, 25 to 26. Let's just go through these three verses real quick. It's so good. Here's what it says. 
that God has presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement, as a propitiation through the shedding of his blood. Look at this. To be received by faith. All right. Look at this. He did this. Why? Why did Jesus die on the cross? Why he shed his blood? Here is the reason why God offered Jesus as a sacrifice for the whole world. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness. God did this. He, he can show the whole world his righteousness and his justice. Because the justice of God, the righteousness of God demand that every single sin need to be punished. Right? So when Jesus went on that cross and when God did not spare his son on the cross, on that very cross, God, the holy and righteous and just God took from Jesus the penalty of all our sin. Every single one of them. Amen. And because God has punished every single sin in Jesus, he has proven, he has demonstrated, he has shown the whole world that he is a righteous God, that he's a just God, that he will never let one single sin go unpunished. Amen. Not only that, look at the rest of that verse. Because in his forbearance, this is what Paul says, in his forbearance, he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. What are you trying to tell us, Paul? Paul is trying to say this. Since Adam till the day of Jesus, people have been sinning. Adam sinned. Every single soul since Adam have sinned. And when people look at this and say, well, somebody like David, for example, he committed adultery, he sinned against God, and we know that he's going to go to heaven. God has forgiven him. So how is it possible that a righteous God, a just God like our God, let the sins of David or the sins that has been committed in the past go unpunished. How is that possible? Here is what Paul is telling us. God just was patient. This is what Paul is saying. God was just patient in his forbearance. He just waited a little bit because he's a merciful and righteous God. He waited a little bit on the sins that have been committed in the past. And then verse 6, he's, verse 26, he says, he did it too. He was patient in the past. Why? To demonstrate his righteousness, look at this, at the present time. What Paul was trying to tell us this, all the sins that have been committed in times past, God still demonstrated that he's a righteous God and that he never let even a single sin of the time that, has, was, that was committed in the past be punished because at the present time, he put Jesus on the cross and he poured out his wrath and his judgment over every single sin, not just has been committed from the time of Jesus on, but even from the time of Adam on, every single sin that a mankind has ever committed. God took the penalty of that sin from Jesus on the cross. And because of that, God has demonstrated once and for all that he's a just God, he's a righteous God, and he will punish every single sin. Amen? Amen? Amen. Amen. Look at verse 20. Continue that phrase. Look at that. So as to be. This is what he says. So as to be the just and the one who justifies well, Paul is telling us this. So as to be. So what, what Paul is saying is this. What I just said is the reason for what I'm about to say, right? He's saying that 
When Jesus went to the cross and God took the penalty of every single sin that was committed from times past, from times present, or will ever be committed, God demonstrated that He's a righteous God, that a just God, and He will punish every single sin. Amen? And because God has demonstrated that on the cross, so that to be, the result is this. Now God can be the just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Amen? I don't know about you people. You need to get a little bit more excited than this. Amen. He is the just and the justifier. And that would have been absolutely impossible if it wasn't for the blood of Jesus and the cross that Jesus has went to. Amen. Amen. He is the just and the justifier. So the problem is really complicated. God is a just God. He cannot let sin go unpunished. And we have all sinned before him. Right? But number two, in the blood, in the cross, the answer was stated. Because in that very cross, God demonstrated His righteousness. He showed the whole world that He does not tolerate sin. And He will never let one single sin go unpunished. When He had Jesus pay for everyone else on the cross. Amen? Number three, man's role is indicated. So God took the price from Jesus on the cross. What does that mean? Every single person in this world now is going to go to heaven? Nope, not at all. Yes, salvation is free. Salvation is available. But it doesn't mean that everyone is going to go to heaven. First of all, the Bible tells us that justification now, to be made right before God, to be acquitted before a holy and righteous God, to be declared righteous, to be declared just, to be declared as if we have never sinned in the first place. This to, do, to, to achieve that status is a free gift from God to man. Look at this. This is good news. Amen? That means Jesus died on the cross and God has shown that he is a just God. Now, justification and righteousness is not something that you need to work for. You don't have to strive to please God no more. God will put on you that status as a free gift. Amen? Here's what the Bible says. Romans 3.24. Here's what Paul says. Being justified by how much? How much you pay? How much work you do? Freely. By His grace. Through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. The examples are numerous. I'm just going to take another one. Look at Galatians 2.16. Nevertheless, here's what Paul said. Nevertheless, knowing that a man is not justified by what? The works of the law. No one can be justified before God but what they can do. There is nothing you can bring to God so He can declare you righteous. Amen? But through faith, this is good news. You can be declared righteous before God. Not by your own works, but how? By faith in Christ Jesus. And then He said, even we, that's the Jews, have believed in Christ Jesus. Even us, Paul said, because we knew that our own law cannot make us right before God. We believed in Jesus so that we may be justified. How? By faith. Not by works, not by trials, not by attempts, not by sincerity, not by repentance. By what? By faith in Christ. And not only, and not by the works of the law, since the works of the law Since by the works of the law, no flesh will be justified before God. How many people can be justified before God by the works of the law? Zero. No flesh. If you have flesh, you're a candidate for that statement. Amen. No flesh will be justified before God. Amen. Amen. Now, I want you to notice this. Romans 5, 9. Let's look back at that verse. It says, 
Having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. Let me ask you a question. It says, having now been justified by his blood. Is that a future tense or a past tense? No, it says, having been justified. Past. Is that something will happen in the future or something already happened in the past? Happened in the past. Now, look at this. We shall be saved from the wrath to come. Is that a future thing or is that a past thing? That's a future thing. So what Paul is saying is this. To be justified before God, you don't have to wait to die and stand before God in the day of judgment and he will be the judge and you will be the court and then you have to anxiously wait for the verdict that will come from the mouth of God, your judge. is not. You don't have to wait for God to declare you either righteous or either guilty on the day of judgment, right? You already can be justified before God in the past. Right here and right now, you can be justified before God. And because you are justified before God in times past, at the present time, you don't have to wait for it. Because of that, when you stand before God one day, you shall never face His wrath and His judgment. Amen? Amen. Justification is something you don't have to wait to obtain when you stand before God. It's something you can have even today. Amen. Let me read that story to you. Luke 18, 9 to 14. This is a parable, a story that Jesus said. Look at this. So powerful. Here's what Jesus said. And he also, that Jesus, told his, this parable to some people who trusted. Here's the problem. Look at this. Who trusted what? Themselves that they are righteous. These people think, hey, I'm good enough to be made right with God. I have good enough works. I'm a Pharisee. I do the word. I go to church. I tithe. I'm a nice person. I treat people right. Who else can ever be made right with God except me? This is the people, right? So he's saying they trusted in themselves that they were righteous and viewed others with contempt. They look at other people who sin and commit adultery and say, man, these people are awful, but I'm a whole lot better than them, right? Now look at this verse 10. Here is Jesus is replying to these people with that story. Two men went up into the temple to pray. One a Pharisee. That's a good person. That's like a pastor, you know. A Pharisee. And the other one is a tax collector. That's like a bad, 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 bad person back then. A tax collector. The Pharisee stood and was praying this to God, to himself. God. I thank you. Look at this. God. I thank you that I am not like other people. Look at this. The swindlers, the unjust, the adulterers, or even like this tax collector, right? Verse 12, I fast twice a week. That's not a bad thing, but he's bragging that this is the way to be made right with God. I pay tithe of all I get. But look at the tax, tax collector. He said this. But the tax collector standing some distance away because he feels the shame of sin that he has committed. Standing some distance away was even Look at this. Was even unwilling. It's, I can't even look to God because I'm so filthy in my sin. Unwilling to lift up his eyes to heaven. But he was beating his breast and he prayed and he said, God be what? Merciful. The Greek literally means provide atonement. He's like saying, God cover my sins. I can't do it. God be merciful to me, the sinners. Now look at verse 14. This is good news, people. Here's what Jesus said. I tell you, this man will be justified before God on the day of judgment. Did Jesus say that? Yeah. No, he didn't. <laughs> what did Jesus say? Did Jesus say, I tell you the truth, this man will eventually be justified when he stands before God on the day of judgment? 
No. What did Jesus say? Jesus said, I tell you the truth. This man has already went down to his house. What? Justified. He has already been declared righteous before the eyes of God. You don't have to wait, Jesus says, till you stand before the judge one day to know if you're going to make it to heaven or not. You can be justified right here and right now, but it is not by works. It's only by faith. What kind of faith? What does that faith mean? Let's look again at that example of that um, tax collector. Here is what the tax collector did, right? And if you do what he has done today, you leave the very doors of this church declared righteous before a holy and righteous God. Amen? So what did that tax collector do? Number one, he knew that he's a sinner, right? Some of us struggle with that. I'm not that bad. That's precisely why Jesus told that story. Oh, I am bad, but not as other people. Jesus said, we're all sinners before God. Amen? So number one, the tax collector knew that he's a sinner. And he was sorry for what he has done before God, right? But number two, and the purpose of the story again, he did not trust. Look at this. Listen to me very carefully. Please, please listen to this. He did not trust in his good works. So he can be made right with God. Amen. He didn't think to himself and say, oh, I am a bad person. But guess what? I'm going to fix it. He didn't think to himself this way. He didn't think I'm just going to go around and I'm going to change. And I'm going to be a good person. And thus, I'm going to be good with God one day. Right? He didn't do that. He knew that he's a sinner. That's number one. But number two, he knew that I cannot do anything to make myself right with God. And all what he did is he brought this to God and said, God, I cannot make myself right before you. And I cannot rely on my good works to correct my situation. But I come to you today as sinful as I am. And I'm not trusting in my own will or my own power anymore. But I ask you to provide atonement for my sin. I ask you to cover me once and for all. And you declare me righteous because of Jesus. And if, if that tax collector did that, Jesus said because he did that, he was declared righteous that very day when he prayed that prayer. Amen? And this is good news for every single one of us. It is impossible, friends, for a righteous and a just God to justify one single sinner because he is so holy and so pure. Amen? But the good news is this. He sent Jesus and on the cross, he made him pay the penalty of all our sins. Amen. And thus, God demonstrated that he's a righteous and a just God that will never let one single sin, any human being, any time of history has ever committed, go unpunished. Amen. From Jesus, God took all the penalty of all your sins. Amen. And today, if you just come to him and say, God, I am a sinner. I cannot make myself right. There is nothing I can do to correct myself before your eyes. I quit relying on my good deeds to make myself right before you. If you come to God just like that, guess what? You leave the church today declared righteous before a holy and righteous God. Amen? Amen. Good news, people. Amen? Let's all close our eyes and pray. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, in Jesus' name.